Hello and welcome to Beatdown, a musical battle royale. I'm your host, sitting proud in my glitter jumpsuit and my patent leather boots, Josh Brunel, and joining me on the podcast this week. She's got her hair teased, sprayed high, and streaked with pink. She's Jennifer Lane, everybody. Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening. And finally, he's an engineer. He's a big sci-fi fan, and he knows more about Moogs than anybody I know. So he's David <laughs> Carden, everybody. Good evening, Good evening, David. everybody. So we are here to talk about synth pop, and uh, I wanted you on the show for two reasons. One, you know more about synth pop than anybody I know, and okay. also you're the only person I know that's listened to every episode of the podcast. <laughs> I am the number one fan. Yes. If you go to beat down number one fan on Twitter, that's you. Yes. You created that it simply amazing. so you could vote in the polls. <laughs> so I, you told me to vote because you were losing with Nirvana's team spirit. What were you losing to? <laughs> I was losing to Torn by Natalie and Brulia. <laughs> For sing- songs of the 90s. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so since I had to create a Twitter account just to vote, on your show, <laughs> I created number one fan. And that was also the last show where Twitter was the way we were supposed to vote. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, now now we can put it out there again, right? Yes. Well, I mean, we can put it on Twitter. Or, yeah. uh, I mean, I was trying to get people to go to the website because I can... Ah. The polls are a little easier to track. And you don't have to count four different social medias. That also helps, yes, (laughs) for sure. Um, But yes, uh, for the listeners, David does work with me at DreamWorks. Uh, He's a few desks over. The morning usually starts with David shouting something uh, across the cubes because we're the first people there. That's usually how the day goes. That's correct. Josh actually replaced me in a way. That's true, Ooh. yes. Yes, when when I first started, David worked on a project called the Production Manager or Prodman. And then every morning I would come into work and I would be like, hey, do you want to get a cup of coffee and I can ask you questions about Prodman? And you would go, sure. So we would have coffee in the morning and now we still have coffee, but there's really nothing to talk about. We just still call it Prodman. So everybody's like, oh, they're going to do Prodman. It's like, yeah, we're going to go talk about Prodman. And then it doesn't come up. But (laughs) but yes, and uh, David, uh, you are... big synth pop fan which i'm super excited to talk to you about synth pop unfortunately synth pop was uh this topic was ed's topic and he can't join us tonight he's not feeling well uh and uh so we will have we will be unable to have ed telling us about synth pop but we are going to play his song uh we're going to be nice about the song because he's not here Oh, to defend it. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> he's not here to defend the song. We, okay, fine. But That's, we will take a. We will give our opinions. We're on never the song. mean, anyhow. So. I know we're never quite as mean as. But that was David's first question. Like, so, <laughs> how hard can I be on this beating down? I think was your question. <laughs> David, feedback on the show. What do you think about the beatdown podcast? As the person who's listened to all of them, <laughs> when you first pitched the idea to me for your show. I was excited about it because it was called Beat Down. And we're, like, we're just going to beat down and argue about it. And Josh and I work with a lot of really opinionated people, mm-hmm. me being one of them, Josh also. And so we can argue any point, right or wrong. <laughs> we're all really good at arguing. We're all like little Johnny Cochran's in the office. And that's what I expected the show to be. And there's a lot of 
people just being really nice with each other about <laughs> yeah. what's essentially like a horrible song. We we always try to see the upside. Yeah, uh, see the upside. Uh-huh. <laughs> we just recorded what will be next week's podcast, and there is a moment on that podcast where even I started to embarrass myself and how friendly I was being to something <laughs> I really hated. But when the person's sitting right next to you, it's really hard to like take out the claws. Mm. Um, and also, we usually don't do the show that intoxicated. <laughs> Where if we were more intoxicated, we could all be a lot more. Yeah, vigilant. and I don't think anybody's ever brought a song that I've absolutely hated. Maybe it's, you know, not my preference. Maybe I thought it, it like, totally mix, missed the mark on the theme. But, like, nobody's ever come with something that I was just like, I don't get it. And especially if they're going to back it up with a personal story or experience that, you know, makes them, you know, love this song. I mean, we're going to say, no, your memories are dumb. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I, right. it, because if I mean, that's where to, I get hard. Yeah, I, know, I can hard tell you that like your song is terrible or I can tell you that this song is terrible, but it's hard for me to tell you your song is terrible because it's yours. It's like yeah. and you it brought something it to you. and it's speaks for for you um though you know at least once on this show i'm sure i tried uh, yeah. <laughs> i haven't hurt anyone's feelings yet so yeah and david uh before we move too far on uh you are also the person i know who gets morrissey uh yes. like really gets morrissey so tell us what is it about morrissey that has like can you explain the cult of morrissey to people wow i i don't know if i can explain it i have a very love-hate relationship with morrissey and the smiths as well where every morrissey song is either the best song i've ever heard in my whole life (laughs) or it's just utter garbage and i think that when i started high school the i'm probably about two or three years too young for morrissey proper and some of the seniors, a couple of the guys that were seniors were Morrissey, full-on Morrissey lookalikes. They had the hair. <laughs> mm-hmm. They had the, uh, trench the jean jackets. Oh, the, yeah. yeah, this was a little prior to Trench Coat Mafia. Okay. And they looked the part, and the girls liked them. And Morrissey was, because he's so outspoken with his opinions, however wrong or racist or culturally insensitive they are (laughs) and you're just like what this guy's like vegan and i didn't know what vegan was and he's asexual like what's that and and it was just a big thing at least in my freshman year after that as you would point out smells like teen spirit came out and everybody Mm -hmm. stopped talking about morrissey but at least my first year of high school was there was still a cult of Morrissey was still well alive. <laughs> and so what is for the listeners that don't know Morrissey, what is the one that, not the Smiths because the Smiths are a little easier. Sure. You know, he's just like meet his murder. How soon is now? Like the, the Smiths are a little easier to get into. What is the Morrissey song people need to hear? Suedehead. Suedehead. Mm-hmm. Or Jennifer? every day is Sunday, like Sunday. I, I would say every day is like Sunday. It, it, it's a little easier on the ears. It's um, it, it definitely is his you know most melancholy greatness. It's he's mm-hmm. and it's it's one of the songs that you know is sweet and lilting. But if you really listen to the, the lyrics, it's absolutely depressing. And I think that balance <laughs> is, is to me identifies Morrissey. who Morrissey is. Right. Yes, exactly. Right. 
And um, but yeah, I mean, I discovered the Smiths when I was in college, so loved them. And like, it's just finally, it's like, oh wait, there can be songs that aren't just all happy and positive, and <laughs> you know, like I can, I can, I can wallow in my 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 sadness and uncertainty. There you go. Well, that. Uh... That's pretty. We have never had a Morrissey song on the show, so we should definitely get it. Mm. We've talked about how soon is now, but we've never had an actual Morrissey song on the show. Yeah, I mean, and that, if you haven't heard it, I, it's 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 a fantastic song. Actually, uh, FNX in Boston, which was the alternative uh, station, and you know, deemed it the quintessential song of the '80s. And um, so, for me, that's always been like that defining moment for it. Yeah, that's a fantastic yeah. one. Uh, well, we are here for a beatdown wherein we will choose a theme and each of us will bring the song that they feel is the ultimate representation of that theme. We will tell you our picks, make our case, and then you, the listener, will get to vote for who you think brought it the best in our beatdown. Our theme this week, as stated, is synth pop. Uh, we are down a member, but uh, up a pro, so we're excited about that. Um, but <laughs> no pressure. We can, <laughs> before we can get to that, we need to talk about last week. Uh, last week, our topic was the songs that changed our lives. Ed brought Vanessa Carlton's piano tour, San Francisco. Uh, Jennifer brought the Counting Crows piano dirge, a song along December. That was a bit of a subtweet. Uh, just let wow. everybody know. And I brought Frank Turner's four on the floor sing along, get better. But it was Brian who crushed us co-rushed us mm -hmm. uh, with Pearl Jam's Alive. Now, let me tell you the, a little story about what happened here. About Thursday, about Friday afternoon, Brian uh, texted me and he was like, hey, congratulations, you won the vote. And I was like, cool, thanks, man, because I was all excited that I won the vote. I won the beatdown. And I said, well, it's only Friday, though. You still got time. And he said, oh, really? So he tweeted, I'm on this podcast. Everybody get up and vote for me. And he had a buddy who tweeted it. And then it kind of went mini viral. <laughs> and he got a ton of <laughs> votes. So Brian got more votes for a live than we usually get total. So good for Brian. I mean, this is the perfect example of how horrible Josh and I are at self-promotion. <laughs> I, I mean, not only don't I vote for myself, I don't retweet. The Beatdown Podcast. What? I mean, oh, no, this is on me. This is totally on me. <laughs> Since I've never tweeted, you don't have to worry about that this week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, no, no. Number one fan's going to be out there like, you got this. Okay. See, and I, I don't right. know, David. Like, you, you, you know folks. So you could, like, rally some folks on this one. You could get a like sure. a ground well of support. <laughs> Every everybody Grassroots. I know that might vote for me are kind of like, oh yeah, you still have that podcast. <laughs> like they're not really invested in my success. Are you still doing that little? My thing? mom expressed interest in downloading the episode. There we Aww. go. So that might be one vote in my favor. We like your mom. You know, we could we could even burn it on a CD for her. Does she use CDs? Uh, maybe try for. Go for cassette. 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 Okay. Love right. it. But she will have to make her vote at least on. No, she, if she, she just sends me a postcard. She has an iPhone. If she sends me a self-addressed stamped envelope <laughs> with her vote, a I will happily send her <laughs> All right. If you can screen grab your text that says that she voted for we'll you, make then. Count. Yeah, we'll, there you go. we'll give you that one. I took a Facebook you know, mention. I was like, that's fine. Well, you'll take it. That's my vote. Uh, well, our topic this week is synth pop. Um, since Ed's not here, Jennifer, we're just going to Rochambeau for it. Here we go. Ready? On All three. Right. One, two, three. Oh, nicely done. All right. All right. You want to go first or second? I'll go first. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Get into it. <laughs> 
So Jennifer, what did you bring for this synth pop beatdown? <laughs> I brought Soft Cells, Tainted Love. Should we just listen to it? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sometimes I feel I've got to run away I've got to get away from the pain you drive into the heart of me The love we share seems to go nowhere And I've lost my light For I toss and turn, I can't sleep at night So Soft Cell is a synth-pop duo from England. They uh, performed uh, a cover. This, this song was originally performed in the early 60s by American songstress uh, Gloria Jones and um, didn't, did okay in the U.S., but it was probably not until about 10 years later that they um, uh, a British DJ kind of discovered it in uh, these old album racks and uh, started playing it. He liked the Motown soul sound of it and started playing in the clubs. And so when Soft Cell were, you know, getting to, ready to record some stuff, they they really, they figured they wanted to do a cover and this was brought to them. And apparently they totally, they, they really liked the lyrics. Um, they, they totally rearranged it. They slowed it down. They took out all the original instruments and put in the, you know, the synthesizer and the you know like electronic instruments and changed it to fit Mark Allman's voice. They changed the key and everything. And uh, somebody who described it said you know with the original it was uh, a Northern UK uh, soul hit in the clubs and it was um, the like you, it was it was so frenetic you could you could smell the cocaine. <laughs> and and um, so yeah, so they really changed it so it became more of a, a radio hit and. Um, the the guy who actually wrote it, um, he he actually um, Ed Cop and he's an American singer, uh, American songwriter, musician, producer. Uh, I guess best known for Dirty Water, performed by the the Standells. Really? Yeah. So he he had written the original that uh, that Gloria Jones, and then she recorded it, and um, he had actually written it about a relationship that was highly toxic and. Uh, he said that once, you know, he started trying to get in the mindset of the person he was in relationship with. And once he did that, the word tainted came to mind. And that was it. He's like, he just wrote it in 15 minutes. So, so yeah, so this came out in 81. Um, Soft Cell had uh, several other songs. Uh, the, the song that was on the B side of this, which um, was uh, Memorabilia, was actually... It basically labeled them uh, it earned them uh, recognition for being pioneers of you know the synth techno genre and um, so yeah so early 80s this came out um, it was also around the time that um, you know it was very big in the, the, the clubs but it was also around the time of you know 
people were just starting to hear about this disease and AIDS and everything. So it kind of took on like this whole like sub meaning. Yeah, I always thought it was about AIDS. Right, right. But no, I mean, it was again written uh, in the early 60s about a wow. highly toxic relationship. Yeah, I always assumed it <laughs> yeah. was more about like a physically abusive relationship. Right. Oh, yeah. I yeah. didn't know that the AIDS yeah so that was, was linked to it that just you know that was timing i think it was timing and i think it was also the setting for it you know you think about you know the people going to dance clubs and so forth and um you know safe sex and all that sort of thing so it, i think it kind of it just hit at the right time but um like but this for me okay so this is when i was in high school and it was <laughs> or no, i was yeah, junior high high school um no high school anyhow uh it's just this sound was so different from anything else that was playing on the radio. It's like those, you know, first couple of notes hit. It's just like it, it stops you. It doesn't start like any other song that, um, you know, you heard at that time had sounded like. And it was just, just so much fun. It was, you know, the beginning of MTV and, you know, all those videos with the, the keyboards and the crazy geometric hairstyles and huge shoulder pads. So, yeah. so to me, this is synth pop i mean we forget a little bit that synth pop when it was started you know mm -hmm. it was essentially new wave without guitars when mm -hmm. it started but it had all these roots and kind of soul and and blue-eyed soul and things and also that it was real edgy and synth pop today like the modern interpretations of synth pop really you know owl city there's no edge in owl city and like my song which i would say is a very modern synth pop song there's no edge at all in that song yeah. but old school you know when we're talking depeche mode mm -hmm. and uh you know yaz and erasure mm. like these songs had a real edge to them and it yeah. was in the music i mean mark allman's voice like i love mark allman's voice um he i don't went a little wacky after <laughs> after soft cell did a lot of covers of, of uh uh you did a lot of albums of covers <laughs> that sound yeah. very different than the original uh what did you send me the other day that he did oh um, he, mark allman and bronski beat covered wow, what was it that was a like, 70s a disco song house? I don't know. Oh, it was, it was so I feel love. I feel. Oh yes. The Donna summer song. Yes. And it's really? so strange. It's, <laughs> it, it grows on you though. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. Oh, well, I'm having a really hard time because Donna summer's voice in that is just so amazing. Yeah. I yes. mean, there's not a lot to it. I mean, her voice carries that song. I, I think in a lot of ways. And I, so I know weird. just not to contradict too much what Josh said, <laughs> I feel like synth pop is the spiritual successor to disco in a lot of ways mm -hmm. as well. Yeah I, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. But I always felt that it was edgier than disco. I mean, they did get rid of the band. Um, but yeah, because disco was so much about excess and frivolity and how many people can we put on stage and how big can the sound get and how much coke can we do? Whereas right. like synth pop was a lot of like two guys, one guy in one in tiny clubs and basements. And it was kind of dirty and sleazy at mm. its best. Although as Jennifer mentioned at this time, cocaine was still a dietary supplement. We didn't know it was bad for us. It was a weight loss regime. Who knew? Yes. Said, was, yeah, we were just, it was just how we managed. Yeah. We were just getting by. If you want to be productive, you have to do coke. We say we. I had a health screening today, so I'm real uh, tuned into this conversation. Yeah. Um, well, so that is uh, Jennifer's song, Tainted Love. Uh, David, what do you think about Tainted Love? Oh, it's a great club hit. It's still, uh, you can go to a, any dance club 
and not e- they don't even have to be doing an 80s night and you can still hear this played yeah uh it unfortunately gets played at weddings it's, <laughs> <laughs> oh that should have been our first dance it's the new wow. song that will get your old uncle out onto the dance floor oh, i do love the magic of there are there are songs that we will still be playing in dance clubs in 40 years like yeah. long after we've all started like in driverless cars eating from pills right. from our houses in the sky we're still gonna put on tainted the, the one amazing thing about this song is that it's it's about 12 minutes long yeah and the radio version just fades it out really poorly <laughs> and just turn the volume down at some point but the i believe the full name of the song is tainted love slash where did your love go yeah. mm-hmm. because yes. eventually there's just a long uh bridge and then he gets into another song yeah so the last two minutes is just some other songs the whole thing is just fantastic yeah yeah that's very true well that is a jennifer's pick tainted love by soft cell um i'm gonna go super modern for my pick up next um you know uh, we we went to a show at the greek a couple years ago which was one of the top maybe two or three shows I've ever been to of all random things. And it was the band Passion Pit from Boston. Um, and I kind of just went because I really liked their second record. And I was like, it was the most fun. It yeah. was so fun. It was so loud. It was so mm-hmm. silly. We were literally in the last row. Yes. And yet I still felt like I was at a club show dancing my face off at the Greek. It was a gorgeous summer night. It was, oh, it was the a music was night. fantastic. I mean, live shows at the Greek, you really can't beat it. Yeah. And, and I mean, synth pop, I've said a lot on this show about how much I love the, the organic nature of music. And I love the, the uh, kind of punk DIY ethos around music. And, you know, synth pop doesn't exactly lend itself to either of those things. And yet this song somehow gets it through for me. And I really adore it. And this is Carried Away by Passion Pit. Carried Away by Passion Pit. Uh, Passion Pit is mainly Michelangelakos. Uh, he went to Emerson College in Boston. And the story as it goes is he had a crush on a girl. Uh, she denied him. And so he wrote an EP to win her heart. 
he did not win her heart, but he did win a record deal and a giant single on Pitchfork. Uh, Even better. <laughs> which went on to be his first record called Manners, and that song is called Sleepyhead, which was kind of an indie hit for him. Um, personally, found it real boring. Uh, I think Sleepyhead and Manners is just real soulless and uninteresting. And then his second record is called Gossamer. Um, it is like so big and absurd. Um, he's a very publicly bipolar. He takes long breaks between records and even often cancels tours. We were actually pretty lucky to see him, honestly, because mm-hmm. uh, he most usually will cancel a tour at some point um, because he is such at war with his um, with his condition. Uh, yet I kind of hear it in the music, like in the music, his highs are so explosively high and his lows are so explosively low. And um, I kind of get that from this song. The lyrics are really kind of sad. You know, a lot of the lyrics are him saying, I get carried away and I'm sorry. Like, these are the things that are ruining my life. Uh, I had pulled up the the lyrics in the hook, uh, which were, where'd I get it? It was right here. Uh, I get carried away, carried away from you when I'm open and afraid because I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about the things that I've said. They always seem to get in my way. And the whole, and yet it's this really blissfully exciting song. It has a really absurdly great video with Sophia Bush. It's so fun. It, yeah. it's, it's kind of mean, but it's fun. Oh, and the, the song is, or the video is a bipolar relationship. Yeah. It's, it's between two people that are constantly missing each other. And like, she's really, you know, she's ready for sexy time and he's ready to play on the computer. And she like, uh, they get in fights. And at one point they have an argument and they get distracted. The words, because it's a, a vid- music video, so you can't hear what they're saying. The words are literally shooting out of their mouths. And then they start physically hitting the other person and then they get distracted by the words that are everywhere on the ground and it's it's just it really is kind of a a great video about what it's like to be in a long-term relationship where that's missing each other you go through this mild manic phases where like you're just not in sync exactly but you know the love is there you know the affection and the care and the you know the the wanting is there uh, but yeah, and I so I love the emotion and the excitement in this song. Uh, seeing it live was so fun and so absurd. The backup vocals, which I don't know that we got to or that you really can hear the backup vocals. I have heard this and read this, but I could not find it to be 100 percent sure. So I could. There's a chance I'm wrong, but I have heard and read that the backup vocals are by Arato, hmm. the Swedish acapella girl group that did that call your girlfriend video yes. with the butter tubs yes yes that he like found online right. and was like you guys are gonna do my video mm-hmm. are gonna do my album and so the album is like you can't half of the record is is strange sounds and you can't recognize anything and it's all just so mechanical and yet it works it kind of comes out of that blue-eyed soul tradition that kind of like disco meets blue-eyed soul new wave without guitars like it's all in that and i think gossamer is a fantastic record he went on to do another record after it which i don't find particularly interesting um and uh, now he's actually this is a total aside but he was uh married for a long time to an artist and then they got a divorce and a couple months later he went on the Brett Easton Ellis podcast and came out of the closet and so he says Brett Easton Ellis was like so how is this going to affect your music and he goes I make the most sexless music he's like my music has no sauce or sultriness or anything to it it's really sterile 
and I think now I'll be able to make music that's actually plugged into the human body. And I'm like, that is fascinating. <laughs> I'm super interested to see what that yeah. becomes. But I think this is great. Uh, and I think everyone should listen to Carried Away uh, by Passion Pit. I'm going to turn this over to you, David, though, because I have an interesting question for you. Sure. I mean, FD's done such a great job selling this song. I think it's, yeah, right? I think it's fantastic. <laughs> and my question for you is, is it synth pop? Because I think it is, but I fully acknowledge there is a real drummer on this song. Mm-hmm. Is this synth pop to you? I'll, I'll, I'll say it, it is synth pop. Uh, to me, I, I feel like the definition, if we're going to try to define this, is the, the engineers that made these synthesizers back in Japan at Korg and at Roland, they were really trying to make realistic... Uh, instruments that sounded like an actual piano or like a real violin mm-hmm. and when synth pop came along uh i guess starting with craft work really mm-hmm. they stopped trying to they just threw that out and said no we're just going to make it sound like like it came out of a robot mm-hmm. and and we don't care we'll just make it sound like the doctor who theme song <laughs> and this song to me does sound like that where it's not trying to pretend like there's an actual real guitar in the mix it's like no we have this thing that's made out of diodes and it sounds like this i think that's a great way to define that because yeah it was it they were embracing the synthesizer as its own instrument it was different than like dance pop which was just trying to use the synthesizer to make dance music or indie tronica is the new thing today right like synth pop was like the synthesizers are the thing and we want the synthesizers to sound like synthesizers to sound like something otherworldly yeah not just to create a beat to you know keep the song going or to get you in that you know dance groove Mm -hmm. it's it is its own sound and the thing i like about this one too it's like traditionally you'll have a, a single vocalist whose voice is distorted um, but because he has, you know, the, the backup vocals and the harm, the harmonizing that they do, it almost sounds synthetically distorted, even though it's not. Yeah. I think this is the only song on the record really where pretty. he's not singing through a vocoder. Yes. But this is a straight. It's vocal. really, it's really pretty <laughs> and it's fun. And I mean, I remember, yes, this was a super fun show. I think we just like basically danced for two hours outside in the summer awesome. evening. And you know, you just, you couldn't ask for anything better. Did you guys have seats? Were you on the lawn? We, we, were, we had seats. We had seats. They yeah. didn't sell out the whole Greek. And so yeah. they had blocked off the last section. And okay. we were the last seats before the last section. So it was just us. But yeah. the Greek is, I mean, the Greek is one of the best place to, places to see a show. Yeah, the sound's fantastic. So. Yeah, the sound is, a yeah, because like the Hollywood Bowl is a nicer location, but it's so harder to get in and out. And the sound is lousy. But the Greek, the sound is unreal. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it's easier to get in and out. Yeah. Um, you just have to, you know. Hike up the hill. Yeah, and bring, and bring your picnic and also, your bottle of wine, which we're going also a good uh, passion pit song. Take a walk. There you go. <laughs> that is, it's a very and a fun video. Like they made videos really fun and interesting because you would, you know, everybody knows Josh sends me, you know, videos all you know during the week. That's and, it. David and I do that too. Actually, yeah. right. so <laughs> it's, each other videos. It's great, but in typically I'll like hit play, and then I'll go back to work. But with these videos, I'm like, I find myself actually watching them. They're they're just they're fun. They're like little mini movies. They're quirky. They're like little indie romance. Yeah, there's a lot of little subtle things that the woman in the video is doing 
to him, mm-hmm. especially when his back is turned to her. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's extremely antagonistic, which, like, you know, you were saying, you know, it's like you're in a long-term relationship. you got to have those moments. doesn't mean anything's really wrong, but it's like, you know, every now and then. Yeah, there's a you moment You want to grab where, a knife in motion that you're stabbing them in the back. Yeah, he's working, and she comes up with behind him with a knife, and then he, <laughs> he looks back, and the knife, like, disappears or something. Yeah. It's really, it's very cute. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk to you more about the synthesizer. So you've told me in the past about the different type of synthesizer, different types of synthesizers that Synthpop was built on. Right. And the specific even, like, versions, right? Like, the different models of the time? Sure, sure. I'd say the classic one that a lot of these early synth pop bands had was the Mini Moog. Okay. Which was an analog synthesizer where you start off with either a sine wave, square wave, or sawtooth generator, and then you apply filters to it. And I believe that's called subtractive synthesis, where you're you're starting with this large wave form, and then you're subtracting elements out of it to make it sound like something else. And so a lot of times, especially in early synth pop, if you listen to it and the sound sounds like it's changing, what they're actually doing is they're turning like little knobs that are across the front of this. Mm -hmm. And it looks like an early uh, computer or like something that should be on Star Trek, except it has piano keys in front of it. And they're just turning these little knobs (laughs) while they're playing it. Uh, Later on with the digital stuff, you have... uh, Yamaha brought out the DX7, which was the first FM synthesis, which is, as everybody knows, FM stands for effing magic. And <laughs> is it really? No, that can't be Frequency right. modulation. Oh my gosh, even I knew what that was. I was in it but that was the, awesome. a very mainstream digital synthesizer. <laughs> yes. And then later on in the 90s, you got sampling synthesizers where it would actually have a real short recording of a piano being played and those can be very realistic sounding especially if they take us one sample per octave so they're not trying to stretch the pitch but a lot of the early stuff with uh the roland juno series the roland 303 is very classic it was supposed to sound like a bass guitar but it sounds nothing like that and all of what became acid house is all the Roland 303. Wow. And then you have the classic uh, drum machines that Roland put out, like the 808, which is every 1980s pop song mm-hmm. from yeah. Michael Jackson. Um, Phil Collins' entire it. career. There you go. Uh, definitely in the Genesis era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before he had 80 people behind him. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had the Roland 909, which kind of, was really the drum machine of choice for hip hop. And definitely once you get into house music, uh, they would take a 909, the bass, uh, the bass drum from that and feed it into something like, like a guitar distortion pedal. And that's where you get that really hard hitting, noisy bass that uh, really made up a lot of 90s hip hop as well. Wow. And also that classic, uh, drum cymbal clash sound that just becomes like that sound that was like in the 808 as well (laughs) (laughs) which is every dance song ever recorded yeah exactly it sounds like a it sounds like a hi-hat played backwards but it was so like definitive and then of course in the modern era everything's just a computer which will definitely have an 808 patch set already preloaded a 909 they might not call it that but that's the Mm -hmm. sound that you're getting and 
and of course everything still has that Roland through a three sound. And There's those... been a big movement in the last few years to go back to some of those original uh, mini Moogs and, you know, the 808 specifically, you know, Kanye West did a whole record, 808s and Heartbreak, just all built around the 808, right. uh, which is his best record. I didn't know that. <laughs> that was... Fight. Cool. I didn't know what that meant. Know what that and now I, know. I, I thought it was an area code. <laughs> but when we're talking just for newbies, when we talk about the move from the Mini Moog to the Yamaha, I mean, we're talking like the analog synthesizer was literally a bunch of knobs and how you line those knobs up made the sound. Then when you went to the Yamaha, you would push a button that said, make it right. sound like this, make it sound like that, which is kind of, I think, kids of the 80s. That's what we remember coming up with were these, you know, Absolutely. synthesizers you got at Target which had the piano button and the horns button right. and whatever. So like Berlin's album, that's all mm-hmm. the Yamaha DX7. Yeah. Wow. Most of the Janet Jackson stuff sounded like that. And and the DX7 was criticized heavily because of those presets. Mm-hmm. Because I believe it was maybe not the first, but one of the first mainstream ones where you didn't have to turn all the knobs. You didn't have to quote unquote program it. Yeah. And so if you listen closely to Jump by Van Halen and then you go listen to Janet Jackson, and then you go listen to Berlin, you can hear the same exact sound in all yeah. three. And so then you get into the 90s and Trent Reznor is burning Yamaha DX7s on stage yeah. and destroying them because... <laughs> and they were cheap because they were so mass marketed. Yeah, totally, totally. And the Moogs, you know, they were famous for drifting, right? Where they would go out of tune. And so you never could really duplicate those sounds exactly from, from show Absolutely. to show or performance to performance. Well, because capacitors decay over time. Mm-hmm. The oscillators would get out of sync. And sometimes there would just be chaos on stage. Yeah. And these are very old pieces of equipment. The Moogs came out in the 60s, so they would have been collector's items when... A lot of this music came out in the 80s. The mini Moog, I believe, was kind of a, a reboot of the, the original Moog, which would have taken up a room, yeah. much in the same way the computers of the time would have. <laughs> nice. Yeah, only Yes could travel with one of those at the time, or maybe Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was the wow. extent of your ability to roll with that. Well, uh, Ed couldn't join us this week, but we did say we would play his song. Uh, so this is what Ed supplied. And unfortunately, Ed even picked the theme this week. Right, so I know he's right. super so excited about He's really about under song. the weather. Uh, but yes, he's not feeling well. So let's play. take a listen to Ed's song. This is uh, Kesha. The song is Animal, and it is specifically the Billboard remix. This is Animal by Kesha.
So that is Animal the Billboard Remix by Kesha. Um, I, you know, I don't want to be too mean because Ed's not here. Um, because I do. I, think, do. <laughs> <laughs> I do think he picked the most synth poppy Kesha song I've heard. Um, I think this might be the remix. I haven't heard the original. He picked the only Kesha song I've heard. Oh, okay. You don't even know TikTok? No. Oh, oh TikTok no. or... I, know, I mean... Uh, Excuse me. What is it? Dinosaur, um, yeah, or, and then Timber. There's a I, lot of. I, 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 I'm a few months away from 40 years old. I'm an adult. I don't know who Kesha is. I know she has the dollar sign in her name. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Her name is actually Kesha. Um, she, uh, you know, it, I, it's hard to critique. Crit- Kesha's music now because of uh, she's come out now to say she really didn't like very much of it. It was kind of forced upon her by her label. It's hard to divorce Kesha with what, from what her image was at the time, and apparently she wasn't a big fan of that image. But that it, it, it's just interesting to try to find a place. Um, as far as this song, I it's fine. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's it's funny because it's not. I know, like the last couple of times we've, we've used the word pleasant. It's it's anonymous to me. I mean, it's it it does it is synth poppy. Um, it's I don't find it very dynamic or interesting. I find my mind wandering. I started. Yeah, I often drift away and forget that it was on. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she's. I actually think she has a an okay voice. Oh, um, I do. She think, think she has a nice voice. Yeah, yeah. No, I just yeah. I, I think it's really anonymous. I I really yeah. I couldn't get any in, and I and I. I say as much as I think this is the most synth poppy thing, uh, most synth poppy Kesha song. I don't really think of Kesha as synth pop. I think she's dance pop. Oh, totally. So totally. yeah, it doesn't. It it's not for me. David, thoughts on this Kesha song? Uh, it's the only one where all three of us took off our headphones and when it started playing. <laughs> well, also that was because I I spilled wine, but. Sure. <laughs> It, it it didn't take that much though. No, I I don't I don't want to be too mean because Ed's not here to defend it. Right, but and I'd be curious to hear because I would like to hear what his thoughts were on this. Right, song. and 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 what he likes about it. And... He did say this song would speak for itself, and if I were to take this song at its at its word, I would say I do not like this song. Kesha <laughs> was a judge on a show called uh, Rising Star, I think is what it was called, and the gimmick was. Um, that the performers would perform uh, behind a wall and if the viewers voted enough then it would rise raise the wall and then only then would the judges get to like score them and possibly move them on to the next round so you had to watch it live now we live in america where watching things live is arguably impossible for two-thirds of the country so the only person whose votes actually counted were on the east coast and the judges were Kesha, Ludacris, and wow. I cannot for the life of me remember the third judge, which is how memorable they must have been. And the host was Josh Groban, and it lasted like three episodes. I love Josh Groban. <laughs> I know. It was like a lot of people I like, just me going like, why does this exist? Like what who, is the show? Who mashed the, them all together? Oh, it's very strange. But I mean, like, in but... I mean, you're going to... How different is that from The Voice? I will, It was definitely at the height of The Voice. So I think it was another this network time trying was, to find their version of The this Voice. This time it was America. Yeah, America voted. Turning yeah. their chair not. They were trying to create a live event, which yeah. it's hard to create live events in the U.S. Yeah. because we have three, time arguably shifting. four different time zones. Right. But, but I mean, you could still... Oh, I see. No, <laughs> no. I, I caught up in my own brain. 
Well, that's Ed's song for this week. Anima, the animal, the billboard remix by Sorry, Kesha. Ed. Uh, you should yeah. definitely check that out on the website and give it a listen. Uh, and now let's turn it over to our guest. Uh, David, what did you bring for this synth pop beatdown? I brought only you by Yaz or in the UK as it was known, Yazoo. Yes. Let's take a listen. Looking from a window above, it's like a story of love. Can you hear me? Came back only yesterday, I'm moving farther away. Won't you near me? All I needed was the love you David, tell us a little about Yaz. Okay, so Yaz was a British pop duo. It was originally called Yazoo, and they've released in the UK under that name. But in the United States, there was a copyright violation with an American record company named Yazoo. So in the United States and in some other areas, they released under the name Yaz. It was Vince Clark and Alison Moyet. Vince Clark had been the main songwriter on Depeche Mode's first album. And it's their first album, Speak and Spell, is kind of controversial. There's a lot of people who really love that album, but then don't like the rest of Depeche Mode. And there's a lot of (laughs) Depeche Mode fans that don't really like that first album. I think I'm unique in the sense that I like both of them. And back to the digital analog divide, Depeche Mode's first album was all analog. And ever since then, I believe they've been all digital. Wow. Vince Clark originally wrote this and presented it to the guys in Depeche Mode who didn't like it. They turned it down and they just, it wasn't where they were going. And Depeche Mode's first album actually kind of sounds like this. Oh, And that's why there's a divide in the, in the fan base, I think. And so Vince Clark left the band and he was looking at Melody Maker, the magazine, and he saw an ad from Alison Moyet looking for a rootsy R&B band (laughs) and apparently Vince Clark knew of her but didn't know her well but he didn't have her phone number but this ad had the phone number of her parents house where she was staying (laughs) oh my gosh and Alison Way had previously been in punk bands 
which is kind of hard to hear it in her voice in this song. Mm -hmm. And so he called her and said, I have a song. Will you sing it? And they met. She, he played the song for her. She recorded it onto a cassette at his home studio. And he took it to the same label that was released for that was released in Depeche Mode, which was Mute. And they recorded an album and it was uh, Upstairs at Eric. It came out in 82. So a year after uh, Jennifer's Soft Cell selection. And it became a hit. Uh, it only released uh, number 67 on the Hot 100. <laughs> uh, it has been covered numerous times. Yeah. Uh, a year later, a British a cappella group uh, did a cover called The Flying Pickets. And that song was more popular and actually hit number one in England. <laughs> and one of the more interesting covers, which I actually encourage the listeners to go find, because I actually really enjoy it, was that in 97, Enrique Iglesias recorded it in Spanish. And that's released under the name Solo and Ti. And that's oh. actually also a really good song. I actually really enjoy it. And his voice is different from Allison's, but also good. Uh, Allison Moyet and Vince Clark, they... They recorded a second album, but they split soon afterwards. And the way Alison Moyet describes it is that they didn't really know each other. They had a record deal before they had shared a pint together, as she famously <laughs> was quoted in a magazine. And whereas the guys from Depeche Mode, they, they kind of all went to high school together and they knew each other. And she didn't really know this guy and he was just writing all the music and she would just write all the vocals and they would just meet and record the stuff and then that was it. Uh, the song sounds great. If you listen to it on headphones, uh, Vince Clark is making no pretense that there's any kind of realistic instruments on this. And that initial pop sound, it pans really heavily mm -hmm. from left to right and it's it's actually like a little treat for the ears if you listen to it. <laughs> and Allison's voice is so deep and it's full and it's really nice because it kind of offsets the artificialness of the music, uh, the instruments, if you will. Uh, so after they split, uh, Vince Clark put an ad also in Melody Maker <laughs> looking for a singer and he found Andy Bell and they went on to form Erasure and they're actually still together. Yeah, mm -hmm. that band Erasure's had forever. several hits. Yeah. yeah. And uh, which also is if you listen to Depeche Mode's first album, then you listen to this album, which is Upstairs at Eric's. Uh, nobody's ever heard Yaz's second album, so you could skip that. And you go right <laughs> into Erasure's first album, and you can see there's just a clear musical progression mm -hmm. uh, with Vince Clark writing most of the music. And in the case of Erasure, Andy Bell writing a lot of the lyrics. And this is just a great song. Mm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, their other big hit from the album was Situation, which was also another big hit at the time. And it's it's just synth pop magic. It, 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 this is definitely, like, as much as <clears throat> Tainted Love has kind of become its own thing, right? Like, Tainted Love has kind of risen above synth pop in a way. <laughs> but, like, this song just feels like, you know, synth pop and what it was. and And then coming from, like, you know, arguably some of the most 
successful synth pop creators of all time. You know, you've got the roots and erasure and Depeche Mode coming out of this. But I like what you said, because when we were listening to the song, I was really struck with how smoky and the word I kept thinking of was earthy Alison Moyer's voices. And then when, you know, the way you describe it, like it's synth pop and then you have this like grounding element in her voice. I think it's really true because it's a very inorganic sound floating around her. And yet her voice is so organic. Right. It's very believable that she would post an ad looking for an R&B rootsy band. (laughs) Yeah, we were saying how she's performing at the Fonda next month. I'm curious what her music will sound like when she's at the Fonda. (laughs) I just can't picture her fronting a punk band. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's the one thing I can't quite picture. <laughs> your head around. Jennifer, did you know this song before? Uh... Oh, yeah. No, oh, I, I knew this in high school. Oh, good. So, I mean, again, going to high school in the, the early 80s, it was a big time for, you know, most pop 80s songs that you think of. Um, but and as much as I listened to that, and that was like where a lot of my friends gravitated, I always kind of like felt more drawn to this type of music and the same thing in college when I was discovering you know the cure and the smiths and all that stuff and um but this one I always thought it was just so pretty uh and I it never at the time I knew it sounded different but because I knew nothing about music it never occurred to me that there were no real instruments mm. and, and in this one in particular they don't even they don't even pretend like they don't they're not even they're not even right. trying yeah. it's just this kind of um you know mechanical sound and then you know this really beautiful voice along with it and it just it, it, it blends and works so well together but yeah I knew this and then I kind of forgot about the covers and I, and I, and I knew the covers I guess perhaps because of the you know the, the, the time that had passed or just how different they were because it is a beautiful song as well I mean it's yeah. just a very simple sweet song we were listening to the Josh Radin cover uh, before <laughs> we started recording because I yeah. was like how do I know this song because I didn't hear it and, until David played it for me a little while ago and but was so was that on the um uh garden state it it or might have been on garden state or, or the other one wish you were no uh the last kiss were last the two kiss, yeah. z- uh soundtracks that zach braff put together with a lot of josh and grammy music for because they're like best pals and yeah. was, they were all like yes. groomsmen and donald Faison's wedding that's right i stalk them on instagram bite me anyway <laughs> <laughs> the, the other amazing thing about this song is yes it does sound very pretty mm-hmm. the music's just so sweet but if you listen to the lyrics, it's a very soulful, it's a sad song. It's mm-hmm. actually a breakup song. Yeah. And the lyrics just have a lot of depth to them as well. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, that is David's pick for Synth Pop Week, Only You by Yaz. And uh, now we'll go around the circle and we'll give one last pitch for why you should vote for my song. Or that's not what I meant. Uh, we'll go around the circle <laughs> and you can tell the listeners why they should vote for your song. My song. Uh, and crown you the victor, and everyone else will just have to listen to not even mini moogs. They're going to have to, they, they won't be able to listen to any music Theramins. except, yes, that which was oh. created by a theremin. Oh my um, gosh. Let's go around. Jennifer, you went first. Please tell the listeners sure. one last time why they should vote for your song, Tainted Love by Sasa. Yes. Just just from the start, you you know, the you hear the, the synthesized drum, it, you know, it just catches your attention, draws you in. It is a great, it's, it's a great pop song. It's a great synth pop song. It, um, the, 
it's a song about an unfortunate relationship, which, um, you know, many people can relate to. It's, um, you know, as David even said, you know, if you heard this song in the club in, you know, 2017, you would, it would still feel at home. It, um, you know, it's a, it's a, a fantastic blend of everything that was going on at the time. Uh, it's, it's got its roots and soul and, um, yeah, it's fantastic. That's it. All right. There's yeah, Jennifer's sorry. pick. Not much of a... Tainted Love by Soft Cell. Uh, I will go next. Uh, my song was Carried Away uh, by Passion Pit. Um, you know, it's it's certainly not the most definitive synth pop song of the group tonight, but I what I love about it is that it is... Def- I do think it's synth pop. All of the synthesizers in it are sounding like synthesizers, and that synth hook, uh, that, that refrain at the beginning of the song, I think is just so great uh it's just a really fun song and it has some pretty deep uh, affecting lyrics and so mm-hmm. i think you should definitely take a listen to passion pit's second record uh and then you can uh, wonder why the third one's not any good because it sounds the same and yet it's not good it's weird you're mm-hmm. just like you're doing exactly the same things and yet i don't like it it's a very strange experience, that third record. Uh, no, I think Carried Away is just a fantastic synth-pop dance song. And, and uh, as depressing as those lyrics are, it's impossible not to feel happy from the excitement that comes around it. So it does you have the most fun video. It does have the most fun video. You should absolutely vote for Carried Away by Fashion Pet. Yeah. Let's turn it over to David one last time why people should vote to your song. Because Only You is a master of... you got great vocals. It's... a masterful work of musicianship and engineering because the other ones just aren't great synth pop songs tainted love (laughs) might be a great dance club hit but ultimately it's just coked out (laughs) apparently not as much as the 64 version but okay sure (laughs) you know carried away it sounds sweet but it's like cotton candy at the end of the day it's just empty calories and kesha all I need to know is she has a dollar sign in her name. It's just gimmicky. <laughs> and it's just a it's just a bunch of nothing. All right. Well, those are our picks for this week. Uh, that is David's Only You by Yaz. And yes. now, dear listener, it is up to you to tell us what you think is the ultimate synth pop song that you heard on the show this week. You can vote by going to beatdownpodcast.podbean.com. That's beatdownpodcast.podbean.com. And uh, there you will find the poll and you can tell us what is the ultimate synth pop song. And you can also leave a comment there on the synth pop songs that you love as well. Uh, you can find us online on Twitter at Beatdown Pod on Facebook at Beatdown Podcast. And you can email me at beatdownpodcast at gmail.com. At least I think you can email me. I've never gotten an email. So I'll do that maybe, right now. I'll, maybe, I'll, I, gonna, maybe there's like a whole bunch of emails in there that I'll I've never seen. Right there's one now. listener that's like, dude, I email you every week. And you have never responded. Why do you ignore <laughs> me, Josh? But uh, but yes, we will be back next week when our topic is going to be uh, is going to be the songs of the summer. I can tell you what they are because we already <laughs> recorded that episode. No, no, no. Wait. Be surprised. <laughs> oh, be surprised. Think of your own favorite song and and just vote for me. The- because wow. <laughs> this one that one I'm more confident about uh, and also I, I did neglect to mention earlier you should definitely take a listen to Ed's song Animal the Billboard remix uh, by Kesha because that is also up for voting and uh, you know yes, I'm sure there's is. some serious Kesha fans out there she deserves to have some serious fans uh, let's go around one last time Jennifer 
uh, if people want to find you on the social medias, where should they go? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Jenny B. Creative. It's J-E-N-N-I, the letter B. There Creative. You go. Creative. David, are you on the social medias? I am beat down no one fan <laughs> on Twitter. No one on fan. <laughs> <laughs> you have. Well, I tried oops. typing number one, but it didn't yeah. fit. Hashtag one. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Uh, you can also find David at DreamWorks uh, every afternoon. Come bug him about. Apparently uh, drinking coffee with Josh. Drinking coffee with Josh. At eight in the morning Josh. talking no. about prod man. <laughs> Usually around 945. 945. Oh, oh. Well, I have a scrum now, so usually it's about 10. But uh, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, where he's talking about rendering and Nova. Uh, and you can find me at Josh Burnell, B-U-R-N-E-L-L. You know, uh, there's a long weekend coming up, boys and girls. And over that long weekend, maybe you want to watch a movie. And maybe you want to watch a movie that stars a professional wrestler and Lorenzo Lamas playing himself. Uh, and Jonathan Litnicki. His head really does weigh eight pounds. It's called Boone the Bounty Hunter. I wrote it. It's on the VODs. Uh, you sent me your five-star review last night. Yes, that was I pretty did. funny, David. Oh, you watched it? Did you watch Boone I, the Movie? I watched it on Voodoo you last night. You watched the movie? It was Yes. <gasps> what did My you think of Boone the Bounty it. Hunter? My wife and I watched it. On <laughs> it Voodoo, no less. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet of you. Okay, but I was going to make the joke on the screen, though. His head weighs 18 pounds because... Camera added 10. <laughs> <laughs> Camera added 10 pounds. It always does. That's awesome. Uh, well, yes, you can check out Boone the Bounty Hunter. I'm at Josh Burnell, B-U-R-N-E-L-L on the Twitters and the Instagrams and all the things uh, where you can see photos of what concert did we... We went to two concerts this week. We went to see Peterson Cotty mm-hmm. and we went to see... Michael Kiwanuka, and he was on real, you guys. It was worth every Go listen to the new Michael Kiwanuka record. It's the greatest. It is the album you need for the Trump era. That's all I'm going to say. He is incredible live. His voice. I mean, last year we we were trying to go, but he canceled his tour, which he acknowledged because he had laryngitis. He is so just amazing live. Just so great. So good. And great the crowd band. was so good. Great crowd. And shows at the Fonda. Super fun. Love the Fonda. All right. Well, that's it for us. Uh, we'll be back next week. Good night, everyone. Good night. Beatdown is a production of us and is recorded in the office attached to our garage. Our theme song is Optimism by the Numbers by Brian Lerner and used with his permission. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It helps others find the show. The music clips we discuss in this podcast are used in compliance with the U.S. Copyright Act, fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. If you want to listen to the songs we talked about this week in their entirety, visit us on Twitter at BeatdownPod, online at BeatdownPodcast.com, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BeatdownPodcast. Oh, uh, Jennifer, what did you bring for this synth pop beatdown? So I brought the 1991 classic from Soft Cell, Tainted Love. That song's from 1991? Mm-hmm. Holy Well, okay, so in, in, in my research, I found out uh, a little bit more about it. But yeah, so this this was recorded and released in 91. I'm say, oh my gosh, let me start over. It's totally 81. Okay. 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 Oh my God. You were saying 91. I had 91 in my head. I'm going to leave all of this. No, no. They they always say take this out in podcasts and then they never do, but you're going to totally take this out. Okay.
So Jennifer. Full disclosure here. Our guest brought wine. I think he's trying to sandbag us. Yeah. <laughs> this is part of his master plan. Not his plan. So I'm going to start over. I'm not sure if Josh left in what just right. transpired. So Jennifer, what did you bring for this synth pop <laughs> beatdown? 